I wanted to ask a question. What, uh, what do you think about when you think about family? What uh, images come to mind? What experiences? Maybe what memories uh, come flooding in when you think about family? Maybe you're reminded of your family of origin. Maybe you think about your immediate family today. Maybe you think of different experiences or feelings that you have. What do you think of when you think of family? And then a second question, if you were to define family, what is it? What is family? I remember a class in high school. Um, I was in a social class uh, towards the end of my time in high school, and, and we were studying Canadian families, and we were given an assignment to define family. So this is kind of like early 90s, um, and so I immediately was thinking, okay, well, a family is a mom and a dad and three kids, because that was my experience, right? Um, you know, statistics at that time would have said a family is, uh, you know, mom and dad and 1.5 children, right? Uh, but as we started talking as a class, uh, there's all kinds of variables that went into, you know, how would you define family? Well, what about uh, divorce and remarriage, you know, blended families? What about um, widows and orphans? You know, what about foster families and adoptive families? Uh, you know, what is family? Is a family a group of people who live together? Uh, is it more than that? You know, is there some common bond that makes family? And, uh, and so it was a really challenging assignment to define family. What is family? So I want to put that question to you this morning to be thinking about. And as you're thinking about that, uh, the influence of media and TV has probably shaped our understanding of family. And so I've got some famous TV families. I want to see if you uh, maybe can remember some of these. Uh, maybe your, your definition of family might be shaped by these. So this is Leave it to Beaver. Oh, sorry, go back one. Uh, the Cleaver family, if you maybe uh, remember them. Uh, the next one, kind of moving on, we get into the happy days of family, the Cunninghams. If you uh, watched any of those episodes, episodes and maybe your influence or impact of family was shaped by them. Uh, the Brady Bunch, so a blended, you know, blended family, classic family, you know, mom and dad, they each had three kids, three boys, three girls, they came together as a house full of people, uh, all of you younger people, I don't know what, you'd have to be below like 40 to not know what this is about, so bear with me, we'll get to some that maybe you identify with, uh, Family Ties, uh, this is the, um, the Keaton family, yeah, Michael J. Fox, Canadian actor, Canadian content. This was back in the early 80s, I think, mid-80s. So the Keatons were a famous uh, TV family. What's the next one? Uh, the Cosbys, the Cosby Show, the Cosby family, and we watched a lot of these episodes as a family. Uh, next one, The Simpsons, uh, one of the longest-running TV families in history, I think. Uh, they've probably shaped some people's understanding of family. What's the next one there? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that's maybe a little more, you know, to certain uh, unique crowd. Uh, Full House, which has now elevated to Fuller House on Netflix. Those of you who are like 15 and under, you might know Fuller House, not Full House, but uh, that's another classic TV family. Next, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, which was more about sort of the extended family and relationships with in-laws than it was about, you know, the immediate family, but that was uh, another one. And next we've got... Modern family kind of brings us more into today's age and the different dynamics of the modern family. Uh, next up, we've got... Some of you might relate to family like this. So this is friends. These people were not related. Well, actually, there was a brother and sister there. But the idea of living sort of in community together as friends. And uh, that might be more of your understanding of family or more up-to-date would be... Um, 
Big Bang Theory, I lost it for a second there. Yeah, Big Bang Theory would be same idea, college age, you know, university age, master's degrees, PhDs. They all live together and form this sense of community together. And then uh, our family that we're addicted to watching right now, this is us. Uh, this is the family, um, what's the last name again? Somebody know this? Anybody? Am I the only one that watches this? The what? The Pearson family, yeah. So they have... Uh, the mom and dad there at the top had triplets. One of the babies died at birth, but an African-American baby was dropped off at the hospital the same day. So they adopted the child, raised these three as triplets, um, and then it's kind of the story of them back in the sort of 80s as kids and then today as adults. Um, this is us might be a family that you're familiar with. So uh, we can get rid of those pictures now. <laughs> Erase those memories from your mind. No, just kidding. Uh, but just to... to get us thinking that family might be different than our own personal experience, but whatever our experience is, family can have a tremendous impact on us. Family is, uh, is influential in our development of, of who we are and who we become. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture uh, that records Jesus uh, talking about family. And uh, picking up with where we uh, left off last week, we'll be in Matthew chapter 12, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 46 to 50. And Jesus is going to use this idea of family as a powerful illustration for what life in the kingdom of God looks like. So to be a child of God, to be part of the family of God. And so he's, we're going to be introduced to his family and sort of the implications of what does it mean to be part of a spiritual family. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn uh, there to Matthew chapter 12, or it will be on the screen as well. And let me just read this for us. I'm reading uh, from the New International Version. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replied to him, well, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray and invite Jesus to speak to us from his word this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth, that your word points us to you and what life in you can look like. And so we pray this morning that you would expand our vision of what it looks like to follow you, that you would expand our vision of family and what that means for us, and that you would continue to grow and develop us as individuals, as followers of Jesus, into our full identity as children of God. And so we pray that you would take your word this morning and, uh, and speak to us by the presence of your Holy Spirit, the whispers of your Spirit. May we hear your specific word to each of us individually this morning, and may we open our hearts and our will to receive your word and to follow what it is that you're saying to us this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I want us to consider the impact of family. Um, as you maybe were thinking about your own family experience, or maybe, you know, reviewing some of those TV families and just the idea that family can have quite an impact on us and, uh, and it has the power to shape us, to influence us. 
And so here in this passage, we're introduced to Jesus' family in verse uh, 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. We're introduced to Jesus' family, and I want us to take a few moments and just consider the impact of family and specifically some family dynamics, right? So think about Jesus and his family. So his mother Mary, uh, his siblings are there. Uh, We know that Jesus had an earthly family, right? We know from our our study earlier in the book of Matthew, Jesus was born to Mary. He was born uh, to a virgin, or a miraculous birth, Uh, Mary was pledged to be uh, married to Joseph, and so Joseph became Jesus' earthly father. Now, Joseph isn't in this passage, so there's some speculation that maybe he's passed away uh, by the time this has happened. Uh, But regardless, Jesus had a family. Uh, Jesus was Jewish. Jesus uh, was born in Bethlehem, you know, and shortly after his birth, Joseph, his father, had a dream that they should flee to Egypt, so they, they escaped and they went to Egypt, and, and then they came back and settled back in Nazareth in, in his extended family's region, and Jesus grew up there. And so if you just could imagine for yourself that like, he had a life here on earth, he had a family here on earth, he had people who were influential in his development. His father Joseph was a carpenter, and so Jesus probably learned the family trade, and there was maybe some disappointment when Jesus didn't go down that career path. I don't know, Uh, but there was, you know, influence from his family. As we think about his family and the dynamics that might have been there, there's some speculation, right? There's not a lot of details in this passage, but just think about some of those dynamics and how they might have shaped Jesus. And then think about your own family and the dynamics of your family. So maybe your family of origin. As we're looking at this passage, this is Jesus' family of origin shows up. You know, if you were to think back, if that means thinking back to your family of origin, or if you're a young person here this morning, think about your present day family, the one that you're growing up in. Our families of origin have uh, certain dynamics about them, right? Uh, One would be genetics and uh, the fact that there's things that are passed down to us. Uh, My mom is here visiting from Ontario. Hi, mom. Uh, She's here this week, and so we've been pulling out some home videos, and uh, our girls and grandma have been watching these videos of them when they were little, little kids, and, uh, and you can see some of the family similarities between them and their cousins, you know, between them and us parents, uh, you know, things that have been passed down, whether it's looks, uh, personality traits, mannerisms, right? And so even if you grew up in a family that wasn't uh, your, your biological family, there are biological realities that have been passed down to you from a biological mom and a biological dad. So whatever your family experience is, there's genetics that have been passed down, and they have an impact on us. There's also the environment that we grew up in in our family of origin. So think back to where were you born? Where were those formative years spent? Who was in your family? Did you have siblings or not? Uh, Some of these family, the environment of your family are are part of the dynamics of of what shaped you. So I was born in Cambridge, Ontario, and uh, born to a son of Scottish immigrants who settled in in Ontario. And then we moved around a bit as a family. So I lived in Vancouver, and then back to London, Ontario, and Ottawa. And, And so these formative years, you know, that had an impact on me, the idea of moving that, that shaped me in a certain way. Uh, I'm the middle of three kids. I've got an older sister and an, a younger sister. So I'm a rose between two thorns. And uh, 
But as a middle child, there's that classic sort of, you know, peacemaker sort of thing about the middle children, right? Want to make sure everybody's happy. And some of that has probably been impressed on me. You could think about your own family of origin and some of the different dynamics. You know, where did you grow up? Who did you grow up with? What place in the birth order are you? Has that had an impact on you? Did you grow up in a wealthy family or a poorer family? And all these different dynamics, they shape us. They impact us and and influence who we uh, are becoming and, and who we will become. So Jesus had a family that had an impact on him. We have families that have an impact on us. And they will shape us both positively and negatively, right? Uh, There'll be certain family dynamics that have been passed down that might be blessings and others that might be curses. And in really challenging family situations, there might be wounds there that have scarred you from whatever that background has been. These are all powerful influences on us. So though Jesus here in this passage, we don't see a lot of details about his family, I think it's worth us just pausing and reflecting on the the power of family and the dynamics of family, his family, our family, because he's going to end up using the the picture of family as as a powerful metaphor. And here in his culture, Jewish families, they're like the fabric of community, Family is extremely important. Generations would live together, multiple generations as families would would be in uh, close connection with each other. And so there's this backdrop to Jesus' family that's very important to note, the the priority of family in their culture and the importance of it and, and how that's lived out. The second thing that we see in this passage is the idea of family agendas, So while Jesus was still talking, this is verse 46, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And so someone comes up to Jesus and says, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. There's a bit of a family agenda that we're introduced here. Jesus' mom and brothers have something important that they want to talk to Jesus about. They have an agenda. They're there for a reason. They, you know, there's something that they want to communicate with him. This passage doesn't go into detail about what that is, but uh, uh, in Mark, if you were to read the same story being being recorded in the book of Mark, Jesus' family was actually starting to think that Jesus was losing his mind, that he was going a little bit crazy. And so his mom and his brothers show up. They actually want to kind of pull him away from the crowd and say, stop embarrassing yourself. They have an agenda. They want to intervene in his life. And so there's this agenda going on with Jesus and his family, and I think it's worth us noting that all of our families, as we think back to our family of origin, there was probably certain agendas that we were introduced to or exposed to. And those agendas can look like a lot of different things. Some are good agendas and some maybe not so good agendas. But agendas can come in the form of expectations or family rules, right? So Some of the expectations or rules in your family might have had to do with how you divide up the chores. Uh, My mom was just reminding me that when we were kids and summertime came and we weren't in school, she would have a list of chores. And as kids, we would have to sign up for the chores that we were going to do that day. And if we got all the chores done, then in the afternoon, we could go out and do something fun together. And apparently I woke up early to pick my favorite chores. I don't know, I guess there's like, fav- you know, there's good chores and bad chores. I don't know, but yeah, okay, there is apparently. Um, so that was one of the family rules or expectations is we had a certain amount of chores to do. 
You know, some of you maybe have a rule in your house, you know, no phones at the dinner table because we want to have conversation together, right? Um, There's lots of different family rules or expectations. You know, we want to say, I'm sorry, when we've hurt somebody. We want to share things. We want to play nice. We want to speak kindly and use kind words. You know, these might all be expectations or rules, you know, part of our family agenda. A really fun one is when a couple is about to get married. Uh, Tammy and I, when we've done premarital with uh, an engaged couple, we'll introduce this idea of, you know, talking about family dynamics and in-laws, and we'll say, okay, so you guys are going to get married this summer, and in about six months, Christmas is going to come, and that's going to be a really fun time of year because you're going to have two sets of family competing over your time at Christmas, right? And so the question we put to the, the future husband and wife is, how are you going to manage the family expectations at Christmas time, right? Are you going to spend Christmas Eve with one, Christmas Day with the next? Are you going to spend all of Christmas with one and the next year go to the next? Like, there's certain agendas that surface as a, you know, a new bride and groom get together in a marriage relationship. So our families have agendas, right? These agendas might be not just expectations or family rules, but maybe priorities, how we spend our time, how we spend our energy, how we spend our money, uh, the things that we prioritize in our life. So certain families will say, you know, we're going to go to church this many times or we're going to play this many sports or we're going to do these many, you know, extracurricular activities or you're going to go to this school or that school or whatever the priorities are, you know, those can create some of the agenda in the family. So think about your family of origin. Think about some of the agendas that you were maybe exposed to or introduced to, agendas that helped shape and form you. Some good, maybe some not so good. Some healthy, maybe some not so healthy. And then think about agendas just in general, agendas in life. We're faced with agendas every day. Agendas not just from our own family, but maybe agendas from within ourselves. We have our own personal agendas We have agendas that we're faced with from friends and how to manage friendships and certain expectations that friends have. Or we have agendas at work, you know, with our coworkers or our bosses or our employees, you know. There's agendas we face there. There's agendas in culture, agendas in politics. There's agendas everywhere. So just kind of think about that reality of the agendas that you face. And it might pose a question, whose agenda are you living for? Which agendas have an influence on you? Jesus here is confronted with a family agenda. My mom and my brothers are outside. I'm in here talking to a crowd. Someone's just told me that my family's out there and they want to speak to me. They haven't said in this passage what that's about. But now Jesus is forced with a decision. Do I surrender to their agenda? Do I go and and meet up with them and, and hear what they have to say? Or do I... What do I do with this agenda? So Jesus takes this family agenda and he actually takes it as a teaching opportunity. And he begins to define family or redefine family or expand his definition of family. So in verse 48, he replies to this person who came to tell him that your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to, to you. And he replies to this person, he says, well, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother 
and sister and mother. Jesus begins to define family with a bit of a riddle. Who is my family? Well, everybody there knows that his family's outside wanting to speak to him. Somebody just came in to kind of interrupt. Jesus, your family's there. They want to talk to you. And Jesus says, well, who is my family? That's an interesting question, an interesting riddle that he puts before them. But then he begins to define family, right? And he introduces us to some new family dynamics. Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. That word sister is an interesting inclusion there, that it's men and women alike are part of my new spiritual family. So Jesus is introducing us to a spiritual family, um, not just his biological or family of origin. So it might cause us to ask the question, well, who is my family? You know, Jesus kind of threw that out there. Who is my family? So each one of us here this morning, I think, could maybe wrestle with that question. Who is my family? Is it my family of origin? My birth family? Is it my immediate family today? You know, who is my family? Is there a spiritual family that I belong to? Is that what Jesus is getting at? Consider Jesus' life uh, and, his, and his relationships as he talks about his, his family being, here are my mother and brothers and sisters, these disciples here. Uh, he talks about his heavenly father, right? Look at Jesus' life and how he modeled family in his life uh, through the gospel, and especially through Matthew as we've been talking about it. Jesus had a relationship with his heavenly father. He had an earthly father in Joseph, but he also modeled this relationship with his heavenly father. He spent time with him. He often retreated to be alone with his heavenly father. When he was 12 years old and he was on a family trip with his, his parents, he actually stayed behind in the temple to be with his heavenly father and his earthly family had gone away. You know, Three days later, realized Jesus wasn't with them because there was more than just their family. There was a whole crowd there. It's easy to lose a child, I think, in that situation maybe just to cut them some slack, but Jesus was with his heavenly father in the temple. He modeled a life of intimacy with his heavenly father, and his disciples at one point came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you do. And how did he teach them to pray? Back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, our father in heaven. Jesus was introducing his disciples to their new father as well, this heavenly father. Jesus' heavenly Father spoke words of affirmation over him. When he was baptized, what was the voice, you know, God's voice from heaven spoke over Jesus? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And Jesus is introducing his disciples now to their heavenly Father, a Father who loves them, a Father who affirms them and sees value in them. Jesus, uh, consider Jesus' relationships with his disciples as well, this new spiritual family. Jesus spent three years living life with these disciples. They traveled together, they ate together, they partied together and had celebrations together. They taught and, and did ministry together. Jesus would heal and, and send them out to do healings, and then they would retreat together and talk about it and, and go on these um, journeys and, and have these conversations and just these relationships that Jesus had with his disciples, they, they basically did life together for three years. 
these literally, you know, they weren't his biological brothers and sisters, but very literally, they became his family because this is who he invested his life in. So Jesus modeled these relationships in this spiritual family that we can learn from. Intimacy with the Father, close connection with brothers and sisters. There's an interesting image here where Jesus points to his disciples. Another translation says he stretched his arm over them, which is a, an image of care or protection. That Jesus is saying, this is, these are my brothers and sisters, this is my family, and I care for them, and, and my care goes over them. In Matthew 28, he promised his disciples that he would never leave them. He would always be with them to the very end of the age. His presence would be there. God the Father, as Jesus talks about the the relationship with our Father, is that he will take care of his children. He loves us more than the birds of the air. He will take care of our needs. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. That's how deeply he loves us, how much he loves us, and he will take care of us. So this is Jesus' new family, his spiritual family. This is our spiritual family. Jesus uh, sort of transitions from his, his biological family and their agenda to the agenda of this new family. What's the new family agenda? All of this passage kind of points to verse 50 as sort of the climax of the passage. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever follows God's agenda is a part of the family. This passage is all about us as followers of Jesus, growing as followers of Jesus, growing in the context of family. But this idea of putting God's agenda first in our life is the marker of what it means to be a child of God. It's no longer the agenda of my family of origin. It's no longer the agenda of others around me, but it's the Father's agenda that I am going to live for. In Luke chapter 8, another passage that's retelling the same story The words there are, whoever hears God's word and puts it into practice, those are my brothers and sisters and mother. Whoever hears God's word and puts it into practice. So are you following the Father's agenda for your life? Are you listening to the Father's voice? Jesus would retreat often to hear from his Father and to get direction and to to make sure that he was living out God's plan for his life. And that's the kind of relationship we can have with our Father, too. We hear his voice. We hear his voice when his word is taught. We hear his voice when his word is read and and when we spend time with him. And when we've heard his voice, when we hear his will, we hear his word, do we put it into practice? So this new family has new dynamics. We have a heavenly Father. We have spiritual brothers and sisters. We put God's agenda First, what might it look like to embrace this new family reality? I want to just uh, close with a, a, a personal story. And don't take this as a prescription that this is what you have to do to embrace this new reality. But this is my journey of, of how this kind of unfolded in my life. And maybe you can learn, uh, maybe some things will be picked up from it as well. But, but here's an example of what this might look like. So, When I was 24 years old, I graduated from Bible college. I went to school in Regina, Saskatchewan, and uh, and felt called to move to Winnipeg. 
for some unknown reason. No. Um, so I graduated at 24 years old, went to Winnipeg, and, uh, and was a youth pastor at a church there. I was a single guy. I had no family connections in Winnipeg. I had a couple of friends, I think two friends from Bible college that were from Winnipeg. That was my only connection to Winnipeg. So I went there as this young, single, 24-year-old guy and really started to feel alone once I got there. And I was a part of this church family that on the outside, everything was looking great. You know, when I went there, it sounded like it was going to be an awesome experience. And three months later, uh, the train went off the track, so to speak. Uh, The senior pastor at the time was struggling with some issues in his life that forced his resignation. And uh, the church was about to uh, embark on some new and uh, challenging endeavors. And that all just kind of unraveled. Uh, when the senior pastor stepped down. So here I was, 24 years old, no family, no real close friends there at the time, and kind of wondering, what was I doing in Winnipeg? Why did I choose this city? No, just kidding. Why did I, you know, how did I end up here? What's going on? And, um, And then sort of this transition started to take place in my life, this new family reality. So I love my family. I love my parents. I love you, Mom (laughs) and Dad. Uh, I have a great family that I can tell great stories about. But in the midst of that experience, being alone in a city and not knowing anyone and not having that sense of family, I was confronted with some choices of how to respond and how to react. Thankfully, God sort of led me through this process, and I believe My heavenly father became very real to me in those days in ways that he had not been real before. I began to spend my Monday afternoons just, my Mondays were my day off, so in the morning I would like wash my car because that was about my only possession and, you know, tidy up the apartment. Then in the afternoon, I would go off and find a coffee shop, you know, I'd go to different coffee shops around Winnipeg and I'd take my Bible and my journal and I would sit and I would have coffee with my father, my heavenly father. I would open his word, and I would read, and I would hear his voice, and I would journal what I felt he was saying. And that connection, more than even the words that were spoken, the time spent with my father cemented this new reality that I was his child. I was his son. And even if I felt alone in Winnipeg, not knowing anybody, he was with me. He loved me. He spoke words of affirmation over me. And when things were falling apart around me, I knew There was one person in my life that I could count on, and that was my father in heaven. And out of that, the other brothers and sisters that Jesus talks about here, I began to see people a little bit differently. And the train wreck of what was going on in the church at that time didn't dismiss the reality that there was genuine followers of Jesus among among me in that church. And one of the families actually adopted me as their adopted son, They had two sons that were just around the same age as me. And I remember the mom, uh, Terry, bless her heart, just welcomed me in and said, if you need food, you come here. If you've got laundry to do, you bring it here. If you need to just come and laugh with us, you come here. And so that family became my spiritual family, my adopted family. And there was others in the church as well that became my brothers and sisters. But those two boys especially, we, we did life together. They became my brothers. And so I had a heavenly father who was the rock-solid foundation in my life, and I had the blessing of some spiritual companions to do life with. You have a spiritual family right here. 
I have a spiritual family right here. You are my family. What would it look like for you to embrace that reality? Not to say that you need to walk away from your family of origin. I have no intention of leaving you, mom. (laughs) You guys have been a blessing. And so your family can still be a blessing and be a part of your journey. Others of you who have maybe gone through difficult family situations, maybe there is some need to disconnect and really embrace this new family. But we are family. Our Heavenly Father is our true Father, and we are brothers and sisters to each other. So as we close this morning, I just want to ask three questions that might help in response. First question is, am I part of the family of God? Are you part of the family of God? Are you a child of, the heavenly, of your Heavenly Father? John chapter 1 introduced Jesus. Uh, John's one of the other Gospels. And in John chapter 1, Jesus is introduced as the light of the world, the one who came to bring life to all humanity. And John says in John chapter 1 that there will be some who will reject Jesus, but to those who receive him, they've been given the right to be called children of God. John 1 verse 14. If you've received Jesus, you're a child of God. If you haven't, You're not part of the family. So the question is, am I part of the family of God? Well, have you received Jesus? Then yes, you're part of the family. We are brothers and sisters together. We have our Heavenly Father. A second question might be, how might I participate more fully in the family of God? If this really is my family, am I living like this is my family? Am I doing life with these people? It's not that we all will know each other on a personal, intimate level, but there are, are there some among us that you journey with and that you do life with, that you care for one another, that you spend time together, that you pray for each other, that you encourage each other, you do life together? Maybe that means joining a life group. Maybe that means serving somewhere just to get to know people. Maybe that means standing by the coffee table every week and introducing yourself to new people. Maybe it means being on the lookout for those who don't know if they belong here or not. What might it look like to participate more fully in the family of God. And then a final question this morning, whose agenda are you living for? The marker in this family of being part of the family is that you put God's agenda first in your life. Whose agenda are you living for? Are you living for your own personal agenda? Are you living for someone else's agenda? Are you living out the agenda of your family, whether that's good or bad? Are you living out your Heavenly Father's agenda? Are you spending time with Him to know what His agenda is and then living it out? So are you part of the family? How might you participate more fully in the family of God? And whose agenda are you living for? Let's, uh, let's stand together and let's pray. Let's invite the Spirit to lead us into those questions. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Jesus, we thank you for the the power of family. We thank you for the, the, the living metaphor that family can be, that our true family is the family of God. And so, Jesus, I just pray for each one of us that we would embrace this new family reality, that we would live out our life in this family, that we would pursue our Heavenly Father. Father God, would you just draw us to yourself? Woo us. Invite us to spend time with you. May we be drawn to you this morning and in the days to come. And may we be drawn to each other in new 
maybe deeper ways where we would reach out and, and really build relationship with one another. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take your word this morning and apply it to our hearts and lives, that we would hear your voice speaking to us and be able to put into practice what it is that you're saying. We pray this in your name. Amen.